And here we are again with another episode of the Fifth Estate Podcast and joining me once again on what sounds like a bit of a noisy background there, hopefully it's not me, is the wonderful Robin Tudor. She's come in for a, an, another appearance and uh, for those who are concerned, um, I will try and keep my language G-rated. Uh, I can't make any promises depending on how far down the abandoned rabbit warrens we go. Uh, just letting you know, sometimes I do get Care- a bit passionate careful there, about Cameron. Things. You might uh, you might lose me another offended subscriber yeah. there. Well, my apologies <laughs> for that. I do get passionate about things, and um, mm. I think that we're all adults, and that if you are upset by a word, I, I do question uh, other things. That, on on know. the on the scale of things that that we have a perfect right to be upset by, yeah, yes, so, <laughs> a yes. word, that, a, a a single word yes. is um, hmm. Yes, so, <laughs> you you do really need to take a good hard look at yourself. All right, you do. So anyway, welcome, Robin. Thanks for having me back on. Yes, and as I say that, you go a bit blurry, but hey, that's modern technology for you. Uh, today, I think we're going to have a chat. Uh, sadly. Woofly's not over, so I think we're going to dabble in a little bit about that. Uh, but the thing that I do want to lead with is I know we covered it in a previous episode where uh, it was a discussion on uh, one of the Senate inquiries where Senator Alex Antic asked the Chief Health Officer, Brendan Murphy, who for some strange reason got a gong in the Queen's Birthday um, Award things, which I... I'm sure, he earned it. I'm sure he worked very hard for it. Yes, and I mean, and, and so did all, all the other bureaucrats who got freaking gongs for for doing their job. Um, so <laughs> that 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 alone just baffles me. But anyway, um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, um. Talks of gongs and all that sort of stuff aside, he has uh, come out and giving a definition of what a woman is. Now, Good for him. I'm glad yes. medical school taught him something. It is. It, it took him uh, how long? Two months or something, I think it was. Um, yes, yeah, so it was in April. Wow. Yeah, so nearly two months. Now, I haven't had a look at the the whole definition, like which was the uh, question he took under. Um, consideration and, and everything like that, all I'm going on is based on a Herald Sun article. So uh, reading it here, Dr Murphy, the nation's former chief medical officer uh, before being appointed Secretary of the Department of Health, promised an to provide an answer later, which came this week when he submitted the frameworks adopted to define a person's gender include chromosomal makeup, the gender assigned at birth and the gender with which a person identifies, it read. The Department of Health does not adopt a single definition. Health policies and access to health programs are based on clinical evidence and clinical need for all Australians, regardless of gender identity, biological characteristics or gender variations. Our programs are designed to be inclusive and to provide better health and well-being for all Australians. Now. Um, Oh, sorry, I I fell asleep. (laughs) We... Uh, <laughs> what what the heck was all of that? I, I mean, is the man serious? It's it's not it's not hard to define what a woman is. A woman is an adult human female. That's it. Three words: adult human female. Uh, it is absolutely astonishing that we are at at this point in our devolution 
as a species when uh, when the chief former chief medical officer of the country has to go on with all of that absolute nonsense verbiage to to define a concept that I mean if you asked a two-year-old uh, to, to point to women that two-year-old wouldn't have any trouble and if you uh, they mightn't be able to to voice the concepts you know adult, and, and human, but, but they would have a pretty good sense of what a woman is and what a man is at that age, mm. right? And, and when we're in a situation where a judge can be appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States and, and she is explicitly, explicitly chosen on the basis of being a woman and yet when she's, when she's being grilled for her confirmation, she actually can't give a definition for what a woman is. Well, I don't know. I mean, it was one of the major criteria for why you were elected to the bench. Yes. <laughs> the other one being that you're black. Do you have trouble with that? Yes. You know, <laughs> do, we, do we have trouble defining what black is? Well, apparently not. But, we, uh, but, but the, the definition of, of a woman, it, it, it's just, well, you know, when it's all about women's abortion rights and we're all clear on what a woman is, but when it's for any other purpose, no one seems to know. And it's also it's also so well it's also so difficult to define isn't it it's well we just have to have to see how people feel on the day yeah, and, <sighs> and and this is the, so a couple of things with with your talk about devolution now it's a um a, a long running meme going around that um you know George Orwell book 1984 was supposed to be uh, a dystopian a warning, novel, not an instruction yeah, manual. Yeah, a warning. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going down the same path now, thinking idiocracy was is oh a warning. Oh my god! Not, yes, yes. Not a, um, a, a, a historical record that was written and, in the and, future. And for, from what I understand of, I've sorry, I've forgotten the director's name. Um, you might. Um, wasn't it those two crazy brothers? Oh, oh you might need to. Yeah. Oh, your your audience will, will probably let us know. Anyway, yeah. for my understanding of it, the the intention of the filmmakers was to issue a warning to say, you know, this is the path that that we're on, and if we continue down this path, we will end up in idiocracy. Now, I mean, comedians um, comedians can often get a point across to people that. That that someone you know that a serious orator wouldn't, which is why um, who was it who said if you've got something important to tell people, make them laugh first, otherwise they'll kill you. Um, yes. Who was that? Um, I can't remember. Uh, that one. Hang on, let me have a look. Not doing so well on people's names today, am I? Anyway, a famous person said that, um, and uh, oh, it was Oscar Wilde. It was Oscar was it? Wilde, oh, of yeah. course. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, make them laugh or they'll kill you. Mm. And and of course, we we know from I mean, anyone who's ever read a Shakespeare a Shakespearean play knows the role of the fool. The fool or the court jester is the one person who is able to to tell the king uh, that he's being a, a total idiot. If anyone else said that, it'd be off off with his head. Mm. But because the because the fool you know makes a joke and clowns, clowns around, he can actually say things to to the king. That the king will accept. I mean, this is the role of, of the fool in in King Lear. Uh, the the fool is the only one who will tell King Lear, um, "You're being an absolute dropkick, and 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 you're going to regret this, sunshine." Um, and he's right. 
So, um, so yes, in, in the making of a film like Idiocracy, uh, there's a really serious message behind that, but, it, but it's couched in humour because this allows people to accept it. it it's, like, it's like George Carlin, you know, making people laugh by telling them the truth. Yeah. You know, the, the ugly, horrible, uh, uh, really soul-chafing truth um, that, you know, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Mm. Um, so, I mean, but, so going back to the definition now, I mean, I, I yeah, I, there's, there's so much that I want to say. Actually, no, I, I, I'll leave all that and I'll, I'll form all that in a better way later on. But seeing as we're talking about what is a woman, I wanted to have a chat to you about the Daily Wire documentary titled What is a Woman? What is a Woman? Uh, Indeed. With... <laughs> Um, now I've forgotten his name. Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. I'm thinking yeah. Matt Shaw for some reason. Matt something or another. Anyway, I know what he looks like. Mm. Bloke with a beard, blah, 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 blah. That's him, yep. Um, now, we'll admit, hey, I, I, about a third of the way through it, uh, just life keeps getting in my way um, to, to watch it. So I uh, haven't watched it in the entirety, but, you know, I based on the snippets that I've seen through Daily Wire and Twitter and, and all that sort of stuff, get a, a fairly general idea. Uh, mm. Now, mm-hmm. one thing that I, I did want to talk about, you did mention about uh, Katanji Brown, her um, confirmation or whatever it was that she went yes. through where she couldn't identify what a woman was, but then you also mentioned that she does identify as a uh, black woman, uh, a black person yes. of, of colour, whatever the, the terminology is. Now... In that uh, bit, there was uh, a, a scene in the documentary "What Is a Woman," where Matt, while she's sitting down with um, some professor of women and gender studies or, or some yes, big long-winded yes, crap, yes. and he turns around and says, "Am I a black man?" And the guy turns around and says, "Are you?" And he says, "Well, <laughs> I, I don't think I am." And he said, "Well, then that wouldn't be something that would be appropriate," and 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 all that sort of stuff. So it, it, it's the thing is that. Okay, so he, he can point out that, but then he had to qualify first and ask the guy if he, you know, ask Matt Walsh if he was. Um, so, in, in other words, the, the the thing that's right in front of your eyes, okay, that that this individual in Matt Walsh's the beard's blue. No, hang on, I've l- no, you are you back? Oh, sorry, we I, have got uh, we have got. Bad connection today, haven't we? We have. I lost you on that bit because you were just talking about Matt Walsh, and I, we lost it after that. Yeah. Oh, that's no good. Um. So what? Sorry. Now I've just lost the thread of what I was saying. Oh yes. So, so I mean, what a ridiculous conversation. Uh. Here's here is a, a person who gets paid. Uh. For for his for his brain essentially, I'm talking about the academic, yes. and he has sitting in front of him a, an individual who is self-evidently a male. Uh, again, a, a, if you ask a two-year-old child, "Is is this person a male?" they would say, oh, "Or is this person a man?" It'd be very clear to them, "Yes, he's a man." Is this person black or white? I mean, a two-year-old would look at you as though you'd grown two heads. Well, of course he's not black. He's self-evidently white. I mean, what a ridiculous conversation to to even be having, and what what an incredible indictment of the supposed, you know, intelligentsia that that they they think that. 
that this is even a, a topic that's worthy of discussion. How can we really know? How can we know whether to trust our senses? Is this person in front of me truly a man? Is he truly white? I mean, what total idiocy. When you look at all the problems of the world, these people are disappearing up their own rear ends with this complete nonsense about, you know, about whether whether there is such a thing as objective fact, because that's really what the issue uh, under debate is. Are there other things that are objectively true? And that is what this sort of lunatic um, postmodernist fringe, whatever the heck they want to call themselves, that's that's what they dispute, that there is anything that is objectively true. And it's sort of codified in this in this ridiculous little mantra that they have. Oh, well, that's this is my truth. Oh, really? You get to have your own, do you? Well, I'd like to know whether whether that holds when you're, for instance, declaring your income to the tax office. Mm. Is it your truth? Mm. <laughs> and that's all you should be taxed on? <laughs> because I think the tax office might have some objective standards for how they calculate what the heck you owe them. Yes, and and so. In line with that, there was um, earlier on in the, in the, the documentary. Uh, it's something that has been um, pushed a lot on on social media. Is he's sitting down with uh, someone with blue hair, and yes. he makes a comment about the chicken. If we see a chicken laying an egg, is that a female? And he turns mm-hmm. this woman turns or, or this person turns around because hey, I, I don't want to misgender or, or whatever else and get upset. Actually, no. Anyway, um, turns around and says, but does the chicken have a gender identity? Does the chicken have this? Well, hang on, no. Only females lay eggs. But do they? And it's the thing. Isn't it completely insane? I mean, the very – okay, so let's go back to that three-word definition that I offered up. You know, a woman is an adult human female. Okay, so what is what is a female? Uh, A female is a uh, an individual who produces large sessile gametes. So, in the case of a mammal, that is over. In the case of Members of the whatever the heck the, the species of chicken is, <laughs> there yeah. are a number, I suppose. Um, so that that individual produces um, eggs, and in the case of a plant, we can clearly distinguish between. I mean, so, some plants are actually um, male and some are female. Like I, I grow I grow purple trees, and there are some bisexual purple trees, but but generally, you know, you have a female and you have a male. They're clearly distinguishable. They have different characteristics. You look at the flowers, and after you've been growing these things for a bit, you can tell which are the females and which are the males. So that is the definition of, of, of a female. You know, um, now an adult female is someone who has reached reproductive maturity. Okay, so in other words, a um, a chicken is capable of laying eggs. We can't call her an adult chicken, Mm. right? So in other words, what what I'm saying is there are objective criteria by which we can, um, uh, which we use to accurately apply these labels like adult and female. Now, um, do all do all females produce eggs? No, some of them actually have um, uh, issues. They might be genetic issue. Well, I mean that that kind of leads us down um, another another rabbit hole, you might say, which is things like Turner syndrome, um, which is a chromosomal disorder. 
Oh, but there, there might be conditions which either prevent the individual from producing eggs or uh, um, interfere with with reproductive capacity in some way. But um, so, so going back to that definition, you know, a woman is an adult human female who would or, or will or might or could, if not for some intervening circumstance, some, you know, biological abnormality, illness, you know, accident, surgery, whatever, would produce eggs and be capable of pregnancy and, and giving birth, okay? Mm. So, I mean, how is that so damn complicated to understand, and, and and that's the thing. I mean, uh, so with this, okay, so we, we can look at it and is it the authoritarian left um, just going bonkers with everything because they've got control of our institutions uh, that they're, they're changing our life and, and culture and, and everything and we're having discussions now that we would never have had five or mm. ten years ago, or is it a, a part of and, you know, I, let's put our tinfoil hats on um, mm. if we haven't taken them off at any time over the last two years because, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to start calling the, the tinfoil hat the, uh, you know, the, the crystal ball and seeing into the future because everything that people have said in the last two years, oh, no, that's just tinfoil, that's conspiracy theory, has become... <laughs> that's right. Cons- well, the, the difference fact. between a conspiracy theory and reality used to be six months and yeah. now now it's getting down to about, uh, you know, two or three, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> a couple okay. of weeks in some instances. So this is the thing. Is is this push with um, transgenderism and, no, you mm. know, people being different genders or you whatever you decide... Um, down the path of transhumanism to make it more acceptable for that. Um, yeah, so uh, that is that that is actually my very that is my very strong suspicion, and I started to sort of grope toward this idea that there was some connection, which I couldn't I couldn't really figure out exactly what it was, but I had a sense that the pushing of this transgender uh, ideology was in some way connected to transhumanism. And then James Corbett put out a podcast, uh, it was actually in his um, Questions to Corbett series, that really made those links explicit. And I thought, bang, you know, I I, I wasn't being an idiot with this. Um, there, there is a very strong connection. So what is that connection? Well, partly, partly it's this notion that partly it's this notion that um, so you know that, that the fundamental ethos of, of is that rather than relying on the process of biological evolution, which is what has got us to this point and has got all other species to that they're at now, and has also resulted in the extinction of some species, the development of many others, and 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 biological evolution is continuing to unfold. I mean, you know, the the human species is, has not stopped evolving. We, nor as other species, nor as any other species. But the ethos of transhumanism is that we we can no longer we we can or we should no longer leave. Uh, evolution to biology that we should actually take over that process ourselves and that we should we should guide it you know with our intelligence <laughs> um, or, or even better perhaps with with AI and so so the the notion that um, I can be you know I can wake up this morning 
Uh, or I can wake up tomorrow morning and say, well, I, I don't really feel like a woman, which we still apparently haven't been able to define clearly yet. Um, I feel like a man today. And if I want to, uh, if I want to express that, then then I can. Um, it's not just that I can I can dress like a man. I mean, there, there have always been women who defied gender norms and and who adopted male attire. This was uh, this was particularly pronounced in some of the, the great sort of female writers. They they didn't want to wear a bustle and all this nonsense. Since they they wore trousers and they wanted to ride horse, you know, um, this particular side saddle bollocks. Um, so there've always been women who who said, yeah, I don't I don't feel real girly. Um, I want to go wear trousers and climb mountains and stuff. Um, fine. That ne- never at any point did they say, so I am a man, mm. right? They just said, I don't really like what my culture presents to me as the as the proper role of a woman. So I am still a woman, but I like to do, you know, bloke stuff. Um, and and likewise, there, there have always been men who, who chafed at the role limitations that, that were imposed on Men. I mean, do you remember? Do you remember back when? Um, back when, if you saw a nurse who was not a female, you felt compelled to say "male nurse." Yes. yes. <laughs> because it was so unusual to see a male nurse. And now, if if you go into any healthcare facility, not that I highly recommend. You will see a heck of a lot of males who are in the nursing profession, mm. and it's um, God. My father used to call female doctors lady doctors for the same reason. Um, in, in he was born in 1924, and in his era. You know, most most doctors were male and most nurses were female, and that was just a thing. So if you saw a female doctor, she was a lady doctor. Mm. And if 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 there was a a, a nurse who was not a, a female who attended you in hospital, that was a male nurse. He was a male nurse. Right now, no one bothers to to use those qualifiers anymore because we just accept that some women, um, many women, have entered traditionally male domains and and are thriving in those domains. And likewise, many men have entered into what were formerly female domains and, and, and are thriving in those. Yay. Mm. Yay for progress. Yes. Isn't that freaking awesome? And you don't, when you see a man who is carrying out the job of a nurse, you don't assume that he's a woman mm. or, the, or, the, or that he identifies as one. He is a guy who likes to take care of people. Fantastic. That doesn't make him a woman. Ah, anyway, sorry, where was I in this? Can you bring me back on track? Um, so <laughs> we're talking about um, um, gender trans- identity. Trans- transhumanism. Oh, yes. Okay, so this whole transgender thing. Um, so so the notion that, that I am not, basically that I am not constrained by my biology, okay, that the fact that I was born in what is very obviously, to anyone with two eyes in their head, a female body, that is, I have secondary sexual characteristics of a woman. It's rather obvious. I know you haven't seen me, but, you know, (laughs) there it is. You won't have much doubt at all um, if you were to meet me that I am indeed a woman, right? Mm. Um, But, but, so the transgender ideology says, well, you don't have to be bound by that. You don't have to be bound by your biology. Like you, you can, you can be anything you want. Um, well, it's it's not too many logical steps from there. Like if I'm not bound by my biology as a as a female, then what else might I not be bound by? 
You yes. know, what other biological limitations might I be perfectly willing to to shuck off? For instance, um, might I like to enhance my, my eyesight, which isn't great, let's face it, I'm a severe myopic and have been since I was in primary school. So might I like, a, you know, some bionic eyes? Remember the bionic man, yeah, okay. Steve Austin, so, wasn't it? Yeah. Then that, that's cyborg, um, um, uh, being, you're, you're a cyborg. So you're a, yeah. But that's not transhumanism. Transhumanism, from what I understand it, is the um, interaction of uh, computerization with the human. So then yeah. you, you like, um, for, for, for want of, I think, to, to make it, from what I understand it, to put it in simple terms, is like the Matrix where you, you plug that thing in the back of your neck and you're mm. whatever it is so you can go into uh, a, a different yes. reality. Yes. So so here we are on the slippery slope, right? In other words... But that's a fallacy. Um, it, 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 so I've heard. <laughs> yes. um, so it, it, you, you can see the appeal here of, of someone who has become paralysed or, you know, lost their, their hand in a horrible accident or whatever. You can see the appeal of, of making some, um, uh, you know, machine appendage that helps them walk or, or helps them have hands again. I mean, who wouldn't want that? But then then we start to, we start to sort of, slip and slide down that slippery slope okay so so where where do we where do we stop that i mean um if if we're going to design these robotic arms for for people who have become paralyzed or you know had an accident or whatever um do do we then take that next step and say well you know it's a real pain in the neck that um, I have to remember to take my phone with me when I go out. So how about I just get the, the get the thing implanted in me? Or, um, well, you know, when, when if slash when digital uh, central uh, central bank digital currency comes in, well, rather than carrying around some object that you use to you know wave over the scanner or whatever to um, to, to pay for things or to the number of the uh, beast. To, yeah, the number of the beast, whatever. Yeah. Um, how about simply having it implanted in you? I mean, why not? Wouldn't it be so convenient, mm. right? See, this is yeah. Um, and then ultimately, this this idea, which is which is propounded in all seriousness by the likes by the likes of Ray Kurzweil, that um, um, that well, he of the singularity that we're all going to upload our consciousness into into the the I don't know whatever they call it the matrix I guess into the ether mm. um, and and that so so that once again you know we'll, that that's the ultimate freedom as they see it the ultimate freedom from uh, messy human biology from actually having a body who needs a body I mean if if all that you are if all that you intrinsically are is your mind. And good luck defining that or identifying where that mind actually is. Then why don't you just dispense with that messy, inconvenient body? I mean, it breaks down. It needs servicing. Things go wrong with it. Just, just chuck the whole thing, and and just be this consciousness wandering around in the, you know, in in the metaverse or the matrix or whatever batshit crazy idea they have for all of this. <laughs> yeah. So transhumanism and transgenderism, sure, there's a there's a connection there. Um, I, I would say that there the the that's the more distal goal. I think that the proximal goal is divide and conquer. 
it's same same old trick as as, as always before. You mm. know, we we set the men against the women, and then we set the the um the, the gay people against the heterosexual people. But then we even divvy up the the gays because, um, a, 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 apparently, just being gay isn't cool enough now. You actually have to be trans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that 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 um Norwegian feminist who's facing three years in prison for asserting that that. Uh, individuals who were born biologically males can't be lesbian. Um, this is apparently hate speech. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, so at, at this at this point, we've just lost all connection with with sense and rationality, and um, we've got all of these multiple splintered camps of people who are just yelling at each other. And what a perfect scenario for for those who have some other ideas for what they what they would like. Um, our collective future on this planet to be to uh, to get busy implementing their plans while while all the peons squabble with each other. Yeah. So and, and and this is the thing is that you know the the alphabet soup keeps expanding um, and it, it's just yeah it, it seems to be everything else is getting into it now and going back to to something that you were talking about before when it, it just used to be gay I was listening to, to Dave Rubin occasionally and he came out with his view was that the whole transgender thing is actually anti-gay, like you know, either anti-homosexual mm. male or, or, or female because I, it's the thing is that yeah. you, know, you have uh-huh. a, a boy who um, may have expressed some feminine characteristics and all that sort of stuff when mm. 10 years ago they would have grown up to be a, a, a gay male, whereas yes. nowadays it's no, you've got to have your bits chopped off and you're a female. Well... You know, yeah. it, how how about just saying, look, I am male. I am bi- biologically male, but my sexual preference is is for other males. I mean, um, that's that's fairly straightforward. Mm. But you know, I am I was born a male, but I'm sexually attracted to males. Therefore, I mustn't be a male. I mean. How how did we get here? Because that's that's isn't that actually buying into the? Um, I mean, the, the the thing that is most confusing about this whole transgender ideology is that it actually affirms it, it simultaneously affirms biology while also denying it. So I mean, that it it does seem fairly. Um, clear to me that some people biologically are homosexual. Right, they um, and, and there's a very small percentage of people who are trans. I, I, I should I should add that in too. There are genuinely a, a small number of people, and I've, I've met two of them in, in in my life who, from a very young age, um, realised that they they were in the wrong body, like they're in the body of the of the wrong sex. And uh, early intervention for them was actually extremely helpful. Um, that's a very different case to what we're seeing now. But anyway, so so. Um, on on the one hand, uh, the this this whole insane um, ideology asserts that biology that that you know self evident facts of biology like there there are biological male, biological males and there are biological females so they 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 kind of even want to undermine that with this you know, this whole men can get pregnant thing mm. I mean. I, I don't know what planet they're living on, but I ain't met no pregnant men. Mm. Um, or men who have periods. I mean, I've seen some men who look pregnant, ridiculous. but that's, that's yeah, a different that's story. That's a whole different yes. story, Billy, Billy Bob Gates. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Got to get those moves in check. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you don't have Jeffrey Epstein to procure your underage anymore so so you know now that melinda's given you the heave ho you might want to get in shape yes <laughs> oh dear that'll get me cancelled won't yes, it um, ouch <sighs> yes indeed okay where was that so um so they, they they're denying biology right and then on the other hand they're, they're kind of affirming it in, in a sense by by saying well you know we we need to remove your your genitalia and kind of build your new ones to to make you a faux biological female I mean, that's just ridiculous. If they truly believe that anyone can be anything, then why why do you need that that gender reassur? What do they call it? Gender affirming surgery. Yes. It's not even gender reassur. It's no, gender yeah. affirming. I mean, what? So so if if being a male isn't defined by you know having a penis and stuff, um, why why if you suddenly identified as a female, why would you actually have to have it chopped off? Why can't you just be a female who has a penis? Yes. If if we if we don't define male and female by things like you know genitals, <laughs> so it's, it's just I, it's, it really does remind me of the complete insanity where you could. Because we all saw the press conferences, right, where where some minister or chief health officer or whatever would stand up and, and with a straight face say to people, uh, say, say to the public, say to the press, things like, um, um, well, these these vaccines, in inverted commas, uh, don't don't appear to to interrupt transmission, but but you still need to have one to protect everyone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Right. So, yeah. so, so just in, in, they, they can, in other words, we, we have become so inured as a society to being told nonsense, to being told mutually contradictory things. It, it's, it's double, it, it's, um, it's double, it was double think in, in, um, 1984, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Not yeah, double speak. Yeah, yeah, double double think. It's the ability to, to hold two mutually contradictory thoughts in one's mind, either at the same time or in rapid succession um, to each other, mm. and and not and believe that both of them are true. Yeah, and I mean, okay, the, the series of therapeutics is is a bit that that I you know exemplifies it all because hey, you, you have to participate in this this trial because we're told that the series of therapeutics um, initially neutralises it and stops you getting it. Well, then when that was proven mm. to be false, you've still got to get it because you've got to protect yourself and your family. Well, that's been proven to be false, but you've still got to get it. And yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're talking... And when you don't, when you don't see, sorry to interrupt, yeah. um, when you don't see a single journalist, you don't hear a single journalist sort of raise their hand and go, um... Uh, can we have that one more time? Or how does that make sense? Or uh, didn't the didn't the two things that you said in rapid succession just now contradict each other? So the public then watching this performance, because that's what it is, starts to actually take this on board that that um, that it is normal. It has been normalised to go along with, with doublethink and to start double-thinking oneself, whether it's about COVID, whether it's about, you know, this whole gender um, stuff, whether it's about, oh, like any any topic you care to name, um, people have, have been uh, groomed, I would say. They're being groomed into accepting nonsense, 
into into hearing nonsense and having nonsense pushed at them and just accepting that because the nonsense is coming from supposedly um, authoritative sources. It's authoritative nonsense. (laughs) And it's... I, I really want to go further on that grooming thing, but I, I will stop that. I scribbled down a note. Hopefully I can get back to it later on. Now, I want to go back to uh, the What is a Woman uh, documentary mm. as well as something that we were talking about um, where you mentioned it is that uh, the gender di- identity and then they go for gender affirming, which, you know, is the political correct name or, or no, it, it's – I don't even know. It, it, it's that Orwellian – um, double speak there because you're not yes. going for a gender affirming you you're actually doing gender reassignment because you're reassigning because if you're like if it was gender affirm affirming thing you'd be if it's a male you'd be making for argument's sake you'd be making the appendage longer because they're affirming what they are but as gender reassignment so Good point. um and, and that's the thing or, or you know a, a, a woman who goes in for a boob job isn't that gender affirming because that they know what mm-hmm. they are they're just affirming she's, yeah it. she's actually accentuating a secondary yes. sexual characteristic of females yeah yes. good point i hadn't thought of it that so way before. there's that so um now obviously we, we, you know when a male decide you know goes through that that process they have to have parts chopped off now matt walsh did bring up mm. that good thing when he was talking to one of um uh, these names all just they've I was watching it, but then if I had been listening to it, I would have sworn it was the same person just with a different voice because it's all the same bullshit that comes out. So mm-hmm. um, but the, the, yeah. going back to the point that I was trying to make is that he turned around and said, so if I'm an able-bodied person and I identify as someone who's disabled, would you accept me mm. chopping my arm off? And then she's mm. come out and turned around and said, no, that that's a um, psychological problem um, with yes. psychiatry and some mental illness, et cetera, et cetera. But, and aren't you doing the same thing? You're you're chopping for, from the male perspective. You're yeah. chopping something, some some part of your body off. Yet we can't question yes. it. Is 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 perfectly functional? It's there for a reason. It has yes. a biological role. And you're saying, oh well, let's let's just get rid of that thing because it's out of it's out of sync with your gender. But yes, I mean there 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 is actually a subculture. Um, I've never encountered this, but I did read about it in James Lindsay's book, uh, James Lindsay and Helen, uh, Helen Pluckrose's book, um, Cynical Theories. There is actually what one of these sort of splinter groups of, of the, um, uh, the, the the rainbow people um, of what do they call themselves, uh, disability activists or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there is actually a, at least one individual who has deliberately had, you know, body mutilating surgery because she identified as as a uh, disabled, differently abled, what is the correct term for this? As, as a person who did not have the, the full use of all the, you know, faculties that, that one normally associates with, with humans, right? Mm. Um, I, I can't actually remember what, what it was, whether she had an arm removed or whatever the heck it was, but it was just something that, that I mean, if you were seeing this person as a psychologist or a social worker, you would very quickly realise that this person had a serious problem and and was in desperate need of of skilled uh, psychological help. And, uh, yeah, how is that different from someone having their their perfectly functional genitalia removed? Um, I I, I don't know how that's different. I don't believe it is. Um, So, coincidentally, uh, there was something that popped up on the Daily Mail now 
I used to bag the Daily Mail out for being just a, a digital tabloid. Um, mm. To a certain extent it is, though looking at it reminds me more of um, watching Men in Black, the first uh, first movie mm. where um, the uh, agent J, J, yeah, he turns around and, and says to um, Will Smith's character something about um, checking the futures or, or checking whatever the rag was. And he's turned around and mentioned something and, no, they go to the tabloids. They go to all the little um, tabloids mm. or, you know, uh, stuff that's out in the US everywhere. And Interesting. Yep. That's how they, they're checking about what's going on in the world. Now, um, so I used to bag Daily Mail out. Now I I, I think put, they've actually run some – I mean they still run complete rubbish, but yeah. they have run proportionately a higher – you might say, percentage of perfectly sensible stories around, you know, COVID lockdowns, therapeutics, et cetera, um, injuries of people who've taken these therapeutics. They've they've been more up for that than than the um, than the the the, the legacy. venerable yeah Corrupt than the likes press. of the Guardian, which is just oh my god, yeah. um, so oh, yeah, so but, unbelievably owned, and then yeah. Um, so, so no, kudos to the Daily Mail. So, yes, they're a tabloid rag, but with, they, they've actually shown some integrity. Yep, with regards to that, there's an article out today um, titled Anguish of Young Man Who Had Sex Organs Removed on NHS uh, Then mm. Regretted It the Same Day as He Sues NHS Over mm, Gender God. Reassignment Surgery. Now, um, it's a, British young, a young British man who had his genitals removed during gender reassignment surgery suing NHS over the operation in historic legal action. Uh, he claims doctors that... He claims that doctors did not warn him of the drastic outcome of the body-altering surgery, which left him infertile, incontinent and feeling like a sexual eunuch. Uh, He said on Twitter, The minute I woke up from the surgery, I knew I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. Now... I I read that Twitter thread. I can't remember exactly how how I stumbled across it. I think it... um, Yeah, but I read that and, man, I was in tears. That poor guy. His, His life is just... Completely ruined, and and that's the thing. you know I'm I'm looking at that now, and in in Victoria, where I live, under the current regime and uh, legislation that was passed, uh, thanks to the support of the faux independents, being Andy Medic, Fiona Patton, and Dr. Ratnam, um, mm. make mm. it a, um, a a civil offence to have what they call conversion therapy. So mm. in this guy's situation, in, in this young man's situation now, if he went to a psychological professional in Victoria and said, this is what I am, they cannot question him about it. They can't say, mm. is that really something that you want to do? Do you really want to do it? The, the legislation says you have to be supportive. So yeah. this is the thing. How many more of these are we going to see come out um, because I, yeah. I know things are a little bit different in the UK and, and the US where these gender reassignment surgeries are just popping up all over the place. Um, oh, so, yes, this is a licence to print money. Yeah. It's, it's, not just, it's not just the surgery itself. It's the fact that that person is going to be on a lifetime of hormone therapy and the, the tab for that is, I mean, I, I don't know how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars that would run into, but but particularly if you're you know doing this surgery on relatively young people, that is 
a, a whole adult lifetime. That's decades worth of therapy, mind you, of course, and, and you haven't got to this part in What is a Woman, but there is a, a really heart-wrenching interview that Matt Walsh does with a, a person who uh, was born a female and, uh, again, you know, was very much the tomboy and wasn't into typical girly things and was persuaded to undergo this um um, God, when I was a kid, we, we called it a sex change operation. It was the sort of thing you read about in tabloid <laughs> magazines. Um, that that is what this this person did, and um, um, now a him. Uh, he is just absolutely devastated by by what's been done, and has had one infection after another in um, his genital region because of the because of what the surgery did to him and knows that his lifespan is going to be shortened by this. So, yeah, on the one hand, it might cost tens of thousands of dollars for the hormone therapy. On the, on the other hand, maybe you won't live long enough to get cancer or heart disease. So, you know, you're looking at this from a purely economic point of view. Yeah. But, I mean, okay, in, in this young man's um, point of view here, this one here, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to seem doom and gloomers or anything like that mm-hmm. and you know, I'm not wishing anything upon him um, apart from, you know, a, a long life as much as he can have it. The mm. the odds of him even just reading this article, my thoughts are the odds of him reading reaching the uh, what is deemed the, the normal lifespan seems to be greatly reduced. Enormously um, reduced. Whether yes. that's because of... Um, some complication or his own intervention. I, I, yes. yeah, I, I, you know, it, I, it's, I believe it's the same person, um, or the the same, yeah, the same individual. Um, uh, so in in the Twitter thread, he mentioned that um, he wasn't told before the surgery that it's actually not possible to surgically remove the entire penis. So he's left with this stump this sort of vestige of, of his penis, and it is acutely painful. So he experiences these, you know, really strong nerve sensations in there, but um, he basically has has no sexual function. The, the vaginoplasty um, uh, did not produce a, a vagina that was um, large enough to actually accommodate a, a penis. So even if he wanted to have sex, he, he cannot. I, it's just it, it is, and and this is this is gender affirming, is it? Is it now? Really? Is that what it is? No, this is this is. Uh, I mean, you well, he used the, the term. Um, you mentioned that he used the term a eunuch. Yeah, that's what this person is. This person is now a eunuch. Fuck. I, I, I you know what? I, these people are fucking evil. I, I, I. Yeah, for the for the doctor to do I, that, haven't I, they just breached their Hippocratic oath by do no harm? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And you know, you and I talked um, ages ago about Abigail uh, Abigail Schreier's yeah. book. I've got that um, book. I haven't started ir- it yet. Uh, irreversible yeah. harm. Irreversible. Yeah. Irreversible um, damage. Irreversible damage. Yep. Irreversible damage. That's it. Yeah. Same same thing going on here. These young girls who have had their their breasts lopped off and their female genitals basically mutilated in order to to build an artificial penis really like how well do you think that thing works um they they're robbed of of the uh, robbed of any opportunity to you know to to have to have babies to become mothers and um she was prompted to write the book of course by um i 
if I've got the story right, it was the mother of a – no, I may be butchering this. No, um, no she was an investigative um, journalist at the time. Yep. She Everyone approached her with these stories. She went to other yes. people to write it yes. and to investigate, to do something about it. No one touched it, so she wanted she yeah. did it herself. But I, I, I believe she was approached by one of the one of the girls who had undergone this procedure herself. Is is, is that the case? Yes. Um, and 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 this was done in the UK. So again, under the auspices of the NHS, funded by the public purse. So here's the NHS. It is supposedly bankrupt. This is what we've been told for years. Oh, the NHS is bankrupt. That's why people couldn't, um, you know, couldn't go and see their their doctor during. The, during um, the whole COVID shamozzle, right? Oh, because we don't want to overwhelm the NHS. And yet somehow or other, the NHS is magically able to perform these surgeries and then put these individuals on on hormones for the rest of their lives. They can afford that, really. They but they, they can't, you know, they, they, they can't treat Aunt Doris's high blood pressure. Oh, my God. Like, mm. <laughs> what sort of world are we living in? So, yeah, um, is, is this a, a total betrayal of the Hippocratic Oath? You better believe it. Now, toward the end of the Matt Walsh documentary, there is uh, an interview with Jordan Peterson, who is exactly as you expect him to be, um, 100% on the money, common sense. Um, and, and he says, you know, it is not the job of any therapist to affirm what their client says. If your client comes to you and says, I... I am worthless. You don't affirm that. Mm. You say, well, I'm sorry that you feel worthless, but let's start to unpack this. You know, what's gone into your feeling of worth of worthlessness? And how can we help you uh, cultivate a greater sense of, of self-worth? Um, if a person comes into you and, and says, I have this, you know, terrible feeling that I was born in the wrong body, you don't say, oh, I guess you must have been then. You say, oh, when did this feeling begin? You know, tell me about this. Um, let's let's talk about the circumstances of it. What does it mean for you that you feel you've been born in, in the wrong body? Um, is is this, you know, do, do you have uh, a sexual attraction to um, members of your own uh, sex, you know, ra- rather than the opposite sex? Like, you ask questions. You don't say, oh, right, you were born in the wrong body then. Well, let's let's um, let's march you off to uh, to gender reassignment surgery. Sorry, gender affirming surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it is so. So these these people are being betrayed by absolutely everyone on on every level. And and the and of course, as you know very well, uh, because this was the horrendous legislation passed in in Victoria. Um, any any therapist, but also any parent, any parent who says, um, no, my, my teenager is not really, um, uh, my, my teenager is expressing this gender dysphoria, but, but actually, hey, you know, we, we've known this kid literally since, since they were born, or in the case of the mother, you know your child before they're born. We've been watching this, this you know, young man or young woman um, grow up uh, his or her entire life. And we can tell you right now, you know, she's she or he has never expressed any sense that, that they're born in the wrong body. This is something uh, that, that's come on with the crisis of adolescence, which by definition is a time in which pe- people struggle to figure out who they are. Mm. I mean, that's, that is the developmental task of adolescence. You're individuating, you're figuring out who am I and why am I here? And um, um, it, it is now being so aggressively marketed 
to these kids on social media, on the likes of TikTok, that any any such confusion, any such um, identity crisis, you know, that's what it was called when I was growing up, you know, so-and-so is going through an identity crisis trying to figure out who, who he or she is. Um, but in, anyone who's undergoing that normal travail of adolescence is now going to, you know, open uh, or scroll through their TikTok feed and have all of this transgender stuff aggressively pushed at them. It is being marketed to them. Um, I, I, I do hate to say it, it's not only on TikTok, it's in our schools as well. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm involved in the uh, school council for one of the high schools and some of the crap that's being discussed there mm. is um, very concerning. Uh, I did raise a point about Year 7s being given identity badges where they had to write their gender identity. Um, wow. I the badge, had a phone call from really the principal shocking. asking me what the concern was and I said these people are children. They don't yeah. know what they're going to be in life and yet you're getting them to put something on a button that mm. says what they are at that point in time and they mm. have, you know, they're going to be stuck through peer pressure with that identity for the rest of their life. Well, it, it is ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, because um, when you and I were growing up, if an adult asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> they meant, what do you want to do for a quiz? Yes. <laughs> you, know, you want to be an astronaut, a, a fireman, a, a nuclear physicist, a plumber, a, you know, a hairdresser. It wasn't, uh, <laughs> do you think you want to be a male or a female? Now, now I can tell you, in high school, I wanted to be um, – Oh, my goodness. I wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to be a novelist. I wanted to be a psychologist. I briefly wanted to be a barrister, but they are complete psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't last long. I wanted to be, um, I wanted to teach English and history. And so that was my, was that my identity at the time? Am I stuck with that forever? <laughs> you know, so, so this whole notion that we're asking kids in year seven, what are they, like 12, 13, mm -hmm. we're, we're asking them what they identify as. I mean, what, what, a, what a completely ridiculous notion. We really have have just again lost all lost um lost our connection to, to to sense and reason so and in line with that there's a big push in victoria to have the age of criminal responsibility lifted from 10 to 14 which you know i mm. i personally i'd like to see that the the, the age is lifted to 17 or 18 um mm. and actually mm. have our children treated as children um mm. rather than um, uh, immature adults or mature aged persons or whatever the hell that they want to call them. Um, actually, I, I do actually mention that. I do want to get to maps, but I'll talk about that one if I've got time afterwards. So this is the thing. So there's the big push to have the criminal responsibility aged to the age of 14, which puts them in the year eight or year nine. Yet here mm. we are asking year sevens what they are and let's say yes. someone comes home or even in grade six comes home and says, you know, let's say they're a female and they come home and say, no, I want to be a boy or on the other side of the mm -hmm. coin as well. So let's say they're, they're a boy and they come home and, you know what, I want to be a girl. Under the Victorian mm -hmm. legislation, you can't question it. You can't even go and seek yeah. help for it. Yet 
by the same thing is that there's a big push to say, no, they're not criminally responsible for any actions yes. that they take. So yeah. and, 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 and why, you know, why, why do we think that's reasonable? Because we know that it takes a long time for the human brain to mature. And so something that, that somebody says or believes or even does at that, at that young age, uh, we, don't, we don't view it in the same light as an adult because we know that that's not a mature brain in there. That's not a fully grown adult human. Um, yeah, wow. It's it, Again, I mean, the, like I was saying before, the, these contradictions are shoved at people, you know, every day. To the and and it dulls people's awareness of it. It inures them to it, so that they don't even you know they don't even bother to sort of question this or push back against it or say, well, hang on a minute. You know, on the one hand, you say children can't be held criminally criminally responsible because we know they're not neurologically and and in any other way mature. But on the other hand, they they are mature enough to make a decision about what you know what body they're going to live in for the rest of their life. <sighs> And, and, and yeah. you know, you mentioned something before um, just and you used it in a general term about grooming and mm. this is what I genuinely believe that they're doing by pushing all this shit early is that they're grooming the children to be victims to the maps for later on. That's the, the, the minor attracted persons. Now, yes. you know, we, we can't use pedophile anymore because of the stigma attached to it whereas according to... Uh, some boffins in the area that are, you know, pushing all that shit, you know, just because someone is a map doesn't mean to say that they um, take action on it. Well, you know, it it still does, it still means the same thing. You know, yes, I, I, I guess, you know, the word pedophilia is problematic anyway because, you know, philos, of course, means love. Mm. Um, I, I don't see you know, sexual, having um, sexual relations with children as anything connected to love. I mean, this is power. Mm. This is, this is the, quite literally, the naked exercise of power over somebody who is powerless to resist you. It's got nothing to do with love. Mm. Um, but, yeah, this whole minor attracted persons thing, I mean, come on. Talk about, talk about language games. Yeah, and, and that's what it is, is that it's softening it up to the, the the point where hey when it does happen oh no they they're just a minor attracted person so and yeah. it, you, you combine that with the uh, acceptance by the medical fraternity to have someone who's below the age of consent actually consent to medical practices because they're mm-hmm. um, they're mature something I can't remember what the terminology oh, is. oh this is the Gillick competency issue yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah, if yeah. you've got a 16-year-old who theoretically understands, which no one understands the consequences of, of the, the the series of therapeutics, that they could go and get it against their parental mm. wishes because yes. they're deemed to be a, um, oh, what is it? Is it a mature? A mature minor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And once again, I mean, why, why do we even have things like an age of consent? It's because we recognise that... Um, persons below a certain age and, frankly, some of them above it, don't really have the the emotional maturity and and the, well, just 
the, the, the cognitive maturity to understand the consequences, to, to fully understand the consequences of their of their actions. I'm not just talking about, you know, the risk of teenage girls getting pregnant, although that is a serious risk. I mean, the life course of, of, of girls who become pregnant in adolescence is is not good. Mm. <laughs> That's not a happy story. Um, but, it, but it goes beyond that. It, it's that you know, there's an understanding that that um, younger, well, younger females are open to being exploited by um, by males in general, but especially by by older males because the younger females they're they're looking for love, they're looking for caring. Maybe they maybe they they had daddy issues. Maybe they were abandoned by the daddy. Like there's all sorts of ways in which a, in which a girl can be exploited. And I mean, it's not that boys are immune from exploitation. It's just that the consequences of it for them are um, not as immediately apparent as the consequences of a, you know, a young female getting involved in, in sexual relations. I mean, obviously, um, there, there are some pretty gnarly cases where, where boys have been um, groomed by, by older females, um, some very famous cases of this where, where say, female teachers have showed their their favor to to young male students and ended up having sexual relations with them and 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 that's in my book that's still exploitative that's that's exploiting the desire of a young male to to sort of um demonstrate his prowess and 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 be cool it's still exploitative and and then of course when you're looking at at same sex grooming you're looking at you know male teachers or or male adults in in, in any capacity grooming young males or, 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 you know, older females grooming young females. It's the same thing. This is just rank exploitation. Um, and, and sorry, just just small tangent here. I wanted to mention uh, this, talk up on, on something that we were talking about before in, in terms of um, how uh, homosexuality is sort of being undermined by the trans agenda. One of the things that, that gay men fought really hard to to do and rightly so was to separate homosexuality from pedophilia mm, mm. right so in other words consensual relations consensual sexual relations between two adult males are entirely their business as far as i'm concerned right no one's being harmed um it's something they both want to do good luck good luck to them you know um if, if yeah i have no problem with that but now what we're seeing is, I mean, drag queen story hour, oh, really? Yeah. Um, little little children being sexualized. These little girls who are learning these these erotic dance moves. You know, boys who are encouraged to attend drag shows and watch women dressing up as as, as men and then go home and do it themselves. So, in in what universe is that not? Grooming and and because we've got this we've got, because we've got this alphabet alphabet acronym the LBGTQI whatever mm. um, then in in the public's mind all of these you know all, all the all the people who who are um, um, expressing or embodying these these identities get lumped together. So now we're back to the problem. Now, now we're back to this sort of perception that oh well if you're if you're gay you must be a pedo. Mm. I mean that that's such a backward step. It is now. Um, one thing talking about the drag queen drag queen happy hour that we've seen in the US. Now, mm. um, in our upper house 
uh, what day was it? Wednesday. Um, Bernie Finn, who was booted out of the Liberal Party and he's now a member of the uh, Democratic Labor Party, proposed this mm-hmm. motion uh, that uh, – so the motion is – he moves that the House express its strong support for the protection of childhood innocent, deplores the sexualisation of primary school aged children by programs within the Victorian education curriculum and calls mm. on the Minister for Education to replace programs responsible for early sexualisation of prepubescent children with more age-appropriate human development programs. Now, mm. um, unfortunately, the the motion got defeated. Everyone sided with the uh, the government of the day to oppose it. But I did want to... Which is so bizarre it and is. so horrific. It is horrific it is. that as a society we've reached that point where these people are willing to to sacrifice children on the altar of wokeness. They're willing to inject substances, contents unknown, um, into their children and they're willing to have these, um, frankly, these nut jobs pushing insane ideas on on their children so that so that what people don't think that they're they're not cool yes. so <laughs> um the, the yeah. wonderful andy medic came out uh to uh, to speak he's on the a motion. love isn't he he is oh, so, he's a charmer um reading from the draft the proof version of hansard so uh it may be changed and uh, it says i can't quote it but i'm just going to read it what it says there anyway because everyone can find it um I rise briefly to speak on this motion. It is a very disappointing, ill-thought-out and, frankly, offensive motion. I wish the member who brought this motion today cared as much about the real challenges facing young people in schools. I know that uh, I know about these because, as a parent, I have lived through them. One thing the member and I have in common is that we care about the safety of children. That is why I've never left mine in the care of the church. All I am saying is that a child has never been harmed by a drag queen, but I cannot say the same for a priest. Mm. Now... Um, define harm and it's the thing yeah. is that if you're what's the psychological harm of children going to drag shows uh, and seeing stuff that is not age appropriate and yes I mean setting aside the whole issue of, of the transgender stuff I mean would would you would you take your child to a pole dancing? But hey, um, according club. to Andy Medic, it's fine because I don't know of any strippers that have ever harmed any children. So, you know what? Let's just you know, I I can take my yeah. eight year old son to a strip show. That's fine. Yeah, and I mean, you know, talk about talk about logical fallacies. Um, this is the the uh, what is the name of this logical fallacy? You might be able to help me out here. It's the it's the false dichotomy. Yes, right. Um, so. Uh, uh, so, in other words, he puts up these two false choices. Well, you know, you either leave your kids in the care of the church, and then you've got you know priests fiddling with little boys, or you know you leave your your children in the care of of, of a of, of a um, of a drag queen. Um, how about you don't leave your kids in the care of anybody? Yes. And, <laughs> like, and, how about you, as the parent, exercise some bloody responsibility for your own offspring? Yes, and and <laughs> that's the big thing. Is unfortunately because of this this move to. Um, a, a fascistic, um, state-centred uh, community and lifestyle that we're living in—it's the state, and the state's yeah. looking after your children. Your and children the state, are not your children. The state. Your puts, children are the property of the state. Yes, your state decides that your children are going to learn this. And going back to uh, 
the, the brief thing that I spoke about the school council, like part of the school council is to review policies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, uh, the Victorian Education Department has changed the the rulings and things like that, whereas they've got a template of policies now, and they're the schools aren't allowed to change them um, contentually, like can tweak little mm. words here and there, but they're not allowed to mm-hmm. change the, the the content or or what you know paraphrasing the castle, the intent of what that policy is. and The vibe. Yeah, yeah, the vibe. Um, the vibe of this policy. Now, it's the thing that the, the principal turned around and when these, these policies were being discussed, he said, oh, it's more for consultation. Well, you can't have consultation if people can't change what you're being consulted about. Well, that's that's the Delphi technique, isn't it? Yeah. So, so yeah. this is the thing. It's you know, uh, we'll bring you in and and we'll tell you it's discussion. But actually, we've already made up our minds. And the purpose of this supposed consultation meeting is to steer you in the in the direction that is already that is already mapped out. Yes, and and that's what you know that that's the whole plan of it. Now, getting back to this. Um, what I was talking about before with the buttons. Now, I did raise this. Now, the, the principal at the time, because the last school council meeting was done by WebEx, so it was all virtual, wasn't there to be done, he asked if he could have this matter held off to the next one. I said, yep, that's fine. He said, we'll be doing in-person meetings by that stage and mm. he's going to bring someone in to talk about it. Now, mm. unfortunately, the next school council meeting is in August. Oh, so this nonsense is going to go on until then? Yep, yep. And yeah. then even at that time it's going to be, well, hey, it's education department policy. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, depending on... All I can say is homeschooling is looking better every single day. And that's that's where I'm really heading towards and understanding what the school is like um, and the participants on school council, uh, mm. it is it is very concerning for me. Um, there's been instances yes. where I've rocked up and I've taken one look in the room and thought, "Am I in the wrong room?" There's mm. there's um, there wasn't any any there, there wasn't any room in the discussion for my views or anything like that with. Um, you know, my input because it was completely different to what was being talked yes. about. Yes, gotcha. Um, and and so, are you talking about the other the other people in attendance? Yes. And 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 and, and who are these people? Are they all are they all parents? Um, they... There's, I think there's about three or four other parents, but the majority of them are um, school employees. So there's a couple of oh, teachers um, and all okay. that sort of stuff. So so they're they're on board with this yep. agenda and. They they don't see that you as a parent. I mean, it's it's like um, uh, who was it who lost the governorship of Virginia to the uh, the newbie? Yes. Um, and and his you know fatal slip was saying something like, "Who do these parents? You know, they, they, these parents think that they have a right to to say what their children are taught mm. in school." <laughs> yeah. um, wow. Okay. So that was that was a very. I mean, I'm glad he said it. A uh, very yep. foolish thing to say because a whole lot of parents kind of, you know, lifted their head out of their Facebook feed and went, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> um, and and but it, it just shows you, and I'm I'm really becoming aware of how um, how fucked up 
our education system is. Um, so badly one of on the, every level. The other yeah. points that I raised is that um, there was an incident at school where the school had to go into lockdown and this uh, happened hmm. a couple of days after the, um, the setup in uh, uh, Uvalde. Um, mm. Now, I'll get back to why that was a setup in a minute if I've got time being mindful of, of how long we've been going for now. Um, but, you know, my concern, so when this situation happened um, at, at this class that, that I got the information from, the teacher, the, like the lockdown in the school, I have no question about that, no, no problem about that at all. The response from the teacher was to get everyone into the back of the classroom, flip the tables over and just hide behind the tables. Now... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the there were students in that class who were getting distressed, mm. and that. So I brought this up, and I said, "It's the response. I have no question about that. Um, it's the response." And one of the like, they were blowing wind up each other's ass for for want of a better term um, mm. through the discussion through the the principal and one of the other teachers. And his thing was that we went through the. Uh, their version of the risk matrix and mm-hmm. both both things came up as severe. So it was, you know, like an extreme situation in that. So it justified the lockdown. And, um, you know, I, you know I'm, and I made it clear, I'm not questioning the lockdown because the children's safety is, is paramount. That's, you know, that's the first thing as well as staff safety, et cetera, et cetera. My thing was about the response and with what happened, um, was it was it justified? Now, throughout yes. all this process, the principal and this other other teacher were talking about yes, this person had weapons and you know okay. weapons and all that sort of stuff. And okay, mm. ask for clarity. What's a weapon? I mean, can you clarify what the weapon was? Because a, a baseball mm. bat swung over a shoulder can be a weapon. Does that justify yes. kids being locked in the classroom hiding behind tables? Um, mm. There could be if the the you know the student had a sword that's an edged weapon. If the yes. the student had a firearm in a firearm situation, absolutely, yep, hide behind tables, do whatever the fuck you yes, can. Yes, but tip if, it's a, if it's a pen knife or a I don't know a, a homemade flamethrower you rigged up out of a big lighter or something, yes. I mean that's a that's a th- th- there are gradations of this, aren't yes. there? And, and there so was, did you get a straight answer? Um, I did. They um, they thought he had a knife. Um, he right. did make um, uh, threats that he was going to get someone to shoot another student, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. all the police found on him was a set of brass knuckles. Right. Now, okay. Um, and okay. and it, it's the thing, I understand the risk matrix, I do that for a job and all that sort of stuff, so I'm, mm. I'm not going down that path. I'm not, not criticising the lockdown or anything like that, but for that... If a couple of grown adults cannot sh- um, um, yeah. shepherd a Jump child it. away yeah. or yep. even yep. distract the child until the police can get there to defuse the situation yes. or detain uh-huh. it, then yeah. Yeah. W- yeah. and I'm you know what the fuck are these people doing in charge of our children at school? And in, indeed, and I mean, I do start to wonder: is this some kind of trauma-based mind control? Again, you know, get that get that tinfoil hat pulled down tight over your ears. But um, given given the uh, extensive media coverage of of the not just the Uvalde um, school shooting, but all of the others, um, the fact that that 
you know, these images and these stories kind of beamed into every household and, and kids were already frightened. And then, you know, the a school on the other side of the world where, where we simply haven't had these school shootings and yet they, they are responding in, in much the same way. I yeah. mean, I can't, I've really, like, I'm, I'm stretching to try to figure out what the justification for that is as opposed to, sure, you know, um, tell the kids that they have to stay in the classroom, maybe barricade the doors. I mean, if if the guy doesn't actually have a, a weapon, what's he going to do with a knife? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, um, I, I'd like to believe that there are some, you know, to um, go down the two and a half men path, that there are some manly men down there. Mm. I would have thought mm-hmm. that they'd be inclined to be the first responders for situations like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, understanding uh-huh. that... You know, the, the school has an obligation to protect staff and employees, though if you're at a school, isn't your first care to the children above your own? Similar to, yeah, to that. Yeah, I would have thought um, so. I would have so, thought so. It's kind of like, you know, if you if you as a as a male, if you as an adult male, you know, walking down the street, say it's after dark, and you, uh, you hear a bit of a scuffle and you hear a woman scream and there's some guy, you know, attacking her or attempting to attack her, do you do you keep walking, or do no, you have great. a look-see? You, you know, Oi, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? And, yeah. and all that, and you know, you, you bluff your way through it because most yeah. of the terms, this is all about power, and these uh, people lose their power uh-huh. once someone else yeah. is watching them. That's it. Like that is your responsibility mm. as as an adult male, and and in that situation, you know, I, and I deliberately made it this way. I deliberately made it. Well, there's there's a female. There's an adult female who's being attacked. You're an adult male. What do you do? Um, now we're talking about children. So you've got a bunch of, of of adults, and some of them are male, and some of them presumably are a reasonable size. What is their responsibility here? Is is to jump the guy with the knife? Yeah. I mean. For God's sake, is that so hard to figure out? Yes, and and you know it, it, it's the thing. And uh, in, I, when I, I was going through this discussion, asking about the response that this teacher who turned around and justified it because he had to look at his risk matrix. Well, he's interpreted it wrong <laughs> if he yeah. can if he believes that a child with an edged weapon is going to be. And an extreme situation in either sense, either casualty numbers or impact to the person. Um, yeah. You know what? Yes, and I'm, I'm not wishing bodily harm on anyone or anything like that. So, of you know, course don't not. That. Of course but, not. And you know, in, in you previous know, jobs that I've done, I've confronted people with knives and everything like that. And there's ways mm-hmm. that you can get around it. You talk to them, body language, etc., mm. etc. Et so. Yes. For them yeah, just I mean, to obviously, obviously, def- attempting to defuse the situation verbally is is where you start. Um, but at some point, like if the if the person is is not calming down, and if they're you know obviously agitated and starting to to wave the thing around, then I would have thought like in 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 any other normal situation, um, what is generally going to happen is that several you know adult males will. It, figure out a way to to you know neutralize the threat, and I I don't mean you know like you want to do this with, with of course the minimal degree of harm. The, the, the person wielding the the edged weapon um, was a student. That's what you're saying. Mm, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you don't want to hurt, hurt the kid. Obviously, the kid's having a giant freak out and and um, is is not not 
you know, fully in charge of their own behaviour, like we were talking about before. You know, what what is what is the age of criminal culpability? Um, yeah, it's 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 just it's so bizarre, isn't it? It's so bizarre. It it it, it the the response. Um, oh, well, uh, it's safetyism gone mad, it isn't is. it? It is. It's, it, you have a look at and, that. And, and, and adult staff are um, being smothered or perhaps they're willingly smothering themselves with this culture of safetyism. Mm. And, I mean, okay, you can turn around and say, oh, but a teacher's not paid enough to, to go and put their life on the line. And I'm not asking them to put their life on the line. I'm asking them to protect mm. the children. But then by the same token, I don't pay taxes for students, for teachers to put students in the fucking back corner of a classroom, flip the tables over and and do who knows what psychological trauma and damage to them. And there were kids in that class that needed continual counselling after that yeah. as well. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, that and, and it's... Wow. Yeah. That's, it, that is a really intense incident. It is. Yeah. Now, um, have we got time just to have a have a quick chat about the Uvalde setup? Oh, set just up? one more quick yep. one. Yes, uh, yes, I the do. Time. I do need to toddle off, but, yep. but yes, let, let's talk about Uvalde. Okay, so I did mention it was a setup because there's mm. slow in bits and pieces coming out. That, it's dripping out, isn't it? There's yes. some very strange stuff. So we were originally told that um, this person was able to go on their killing spree for an hour and a bit because there were no suitably armed law enforcement professionals there. Then it was mm-hmm. that they were waiting for the suitable protective equipment. Now it mm-hmm. comes out. I've heard that the there was a, an officer who engaged in this per, with this person uh, whilst they were firing outside of the school. Mm-hmm. Then it was that um, armed police with uh, AR-15 styles uh, uh, um, weapons were there with a ballistic shield within three minutes. Mm. And yet mm-hmm. they waited another, and they were in the class in the hallway of the classroom. Yeah, and then uh-huh. they waited another hour to go in. And the other thing that I'm hearing is that the door couldn't be locked from the inside. It was one of those classroom doors where they thought ahead after Sandy Hook and Columbine, whereas the door could only be locked from the outside. Mm. So no one mm-hmm. even went to check the fucking door handle and. Mm. Apologies to listeners mm. getting upset, but as I said, I will get on my soapbox for things, and when I get on my soapbox, I will use colourful language. So, <laughs> again, I mean, you know, when we're weighing up the use of particular language compared to um, 19, 19 dead kids and, yes. and, and two teachers, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Um, wow. Get so a grip, folks. It's it's yeah. a thing. This this has to be a setup, and. I, yeah, I, I, it really it, it just it stinks to high heaven. The whole the whole thing is just so incredibly suspicious, and I don't pretend to know what actually happened and who made decisions, whether it was planned, whether it was opportunistic. I uh, I strongly I mean I have my own um, interest in these episodes uh, from the point of view of of what. Um, medications, the the people who conducted these these um, killing sprees were on. Mm. Um, so many of them, the the of of those for whom we know their medical history, all of them have been uh, prescribed uh, psychiatric medication, mostly SSRIs, which are known to to provoke um, violent suicidal and homicidal ideation in a in a small but meaningful percentage of people who take them. Um, and and then the other thing is the uh, the other thing is the intense involvement of the FBI 
mm. with so many of the perpetrators of, the, of these incidents. And so who was this young man? You know, who, where, where was he from? Um, what, what, what were his connections with the likes of the FBI? That's what I'd like to know. And, you know, this is the thing, as you know, it, it's, there's, there's just so much that's coming out that, that doesn't make sense. Yes, mm-hmm. someone, you know, the, the um, chief or whoever it was told him not to do anything. But mm-hmm. safetyism is coming down to it that they heard these rounds going off. There were, mm-hmm. They would have been getting um, communication from 911 dispatch saying there's children yes. calling. And yet yes. they still fucking stood there. Yes. And I mean, look, I, I, I don't know what um, – I, I don't know if there's a similar um, thing in the in the police force. I, I, I believe there is, as, as in the military, where in, in the military, if you are given an order by a superior that you um, – you know to be wrong, like you judge to be morally wrong. It's actually your obligation yes, as yes. a soldier to, to defy that. Yes, you don't have to follow lawful directions. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, it's so I presume that holds true for the police as well. I mean, if you're standing outside a school and you've got you've got the gear, like you've got your bulletproof vest on, which I presume they don't turn up to school shootings in a T-shirt, for God's sake. But most of them um, wear it as part of their normal uniform, normal daily yeah. routine. Anyway. So you've got the protective gear, and you've got a you know a big ass gun that, that that's that's going to end this whole matter. You know, sadly, because there's again a, a very very disturbed young man. But but sadly, there's generally only one way that these things end, and mm. that is with the death of the shooter. But um, you know, you and you stand outside waiting for an order really yeah. i mean uh, what and and, 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 they, and these people you know as you pointed out before in um, in relation to to teachers these people paid out of the public purse what yep. the hell were they doing yep and the, one of the, the commentators that i was listening to about that uh, you know asked the question do you want to be you know and and not saying that we wished it upon anyone but you know would you rather mm. die a hero or live the rest of your life known as a coward yes and indeed and Indeed. I'm not saying that, you know, that should have been done, but, you know, a, a highly trained professional, even two highly trained professionals mm. against a, a teenager who just yes. had the weapon yes. should be able to come out victorious with minimal damage, let alone loss of yeah. life. And then then there's the whole question of how an 18-year-old um, managed to acquire uh, these weapons. Yes. Um, it was valued at, what, like eight or nine grand? yes. Yes. And then managed to become proficient in their use within a couple of weeks. Yes. Oh well, that's that's interesting, isn't it? Is he just a really good shot? Has he been like practicing in video games, or where where did he get? I mean, if he was, yeah, like how how did this whole thing happen? It's just it's, it's suspicious as hell. It is. It is. And um, you know, I'm a big supporter of you know, the implementation of castle doctrine, et cetera, et cetera, in Australia, um, even having, being able to use lethal force for self-protection rather than a sporting or hunting purpose. Um, mm. But, you know, mm-hmm. this situation goes like this. It, it just exemplifies why we cannot trust the second responders, why every individual, including the teachers, are the first responders and that yes. they should be the ones that stopped it. Yes. Yes. Well, look, I mean, this is the embodiment of the non-aggression principle, isn't it? Um, you don't have the right to initiate force. 
but if force is initiated against you, you have the right to defend yourself. Yes. That's pretty, morally, that is pretty damn straightforward. And Yeah, so um, we'll just have to, I mean, there, there's more and more stuff trickling out. Um, mm. So it's going to be one of these watch this space things. But, um, sadly, nothing that can be said or done or anyone tried for whatever reason is going to bring those children and those two adults back. Um, no. You know, at least, um, and it, it won't get to it where the the deep state, their involvement, which tinfoil hat, they had to have been um, with the way this played out. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it, it's... It's hard to imagine how the whole thing could have been coordinated in the way that it... Um, really seems to to have been coordinated yeah. uh, without the involvement of someone other than an 18-year-old high school dropout. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's, it, it's kind of like, you know, how did Lee Harvey Oswald manage to get the... the, the, parade, the, um, um, the uh, not parade route, the... Um, the motorcade route. Um, the motorcade route changed, mm. you yes. know. Um, how, how did he manage to, to send uh, Fletcher Prouty to Antarctica? And how did he manage to get um, Alan Dulles appointed to head up the Warren Commission? Like, wow, <laughs> that's pretty amazing how, how he managed to do all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, that that's oh, – yeah, you, anyway, um, won't go down there. That's more tin tinfoil hat stuff and, um, as I said, being mindful <laughs> of the time. Um, yes. Yes, all righty. I think we might just have to dedicate an episode to tinfoil hats. Um, I I think so. I think so. We'll get we'll get them on before yep. we start, and um and listeners can wear theirs too. Yep, just go from there. Now we didn't get yep. to talking about the woo flu, so um, fortunately, oh, unfortunately, yes, I had a whole lot to tell you about about immunity, but yes. yeah, let's let's I'll just summarise this again. really. Yeah, we'll 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 get that we'll get that done soon. I'm I'm on. I've just published part two of what will I think it's going to be a four parter on um, latest and not very greatest about what what those um, medical interventions are doing to people's immune systems and, and more generally to the, the process by what the, basically the, um, the uh, evolutionary arms race between the bug and the humans. Mm. So anyway, I'll leave that as a teaser. By the next time we speak, I might even have all four parts out there. So in the meantime, you can hop on my Substack and have a read. We'll include links to that. And so, all right. Thank Look you like- very much for that, Robin, and we will get you back sooner rather than later so we can go through the woo flu stuff and yeah, your, your stuff while it's still fresh, sadly, in people's fresh, minds. Yes, fresh meat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fresh roadkill. <laughs> All right. Oh, All right, we Do better th- leave it thanks there. Thanks for that, Robin. <laughs> okay. All, All right. the best, Cameron. Bye.